Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Election College, Episode 166, George Clinton. Let's throw a political party. Face it, the political scene sucks, but did it always? It's time for Election College, and class is in session. Now, your hosts, Jason Goff and Ben Smith. Hey, Ben, we always love going back and talking about the Founding Fathers. And it has been a long time since we've even mentioned George Clinton. I think it was probably in, oh, I don't know, one of the first three episodes. Yeah. And we were like the Funkmeister. But (laughs) George Clinton, the guy who was the vice president, and he was the governor of New York. And, you know, he was a founding father. He really wasn't the Funkmeister. But we're going to talk about him. So sit back, relax. If you want to have some tunes in the background, go ahead. But it's probably going to be classical music. I find it really disappointing that when you mention George Clinton, the Funkmeister, I think he could be the Funkmeister if we really wanted him to be uh, terribly bad. But when you mention him, if you Google him, like the first 10 results, it seems, maybe there's one or two sprinkled in there, are about George Clinton from Parliament and... Not not like the political parliament, parliament the band. And that's just a sh- downright shame. I mean, that's that's great too. But uh, George Clinton was, you know, a hugely influential founding father, uh, really involved in the origins of our country, had a lot of service to our country. And man, he doesn't get nearly as much recognition as he deserves. And uh, hey, I'll go ahead and stand up and raise my hand and say, that's partly my fault. Well, guess what? We are changing that right now because this podcast could very well be the most popular election college episode (laughs) ever. Well, can you just imagine people searching iTunes and they're looking for some parliament music and they're like, hey, I'll just just type George Clinton's name. And they're like, this whole new world of political podcasts about history that I never knew about. That'd be disappointing. Yeah. So if you're from New York, and I'm not just talking about New York City, New York State, because people from Western New York and people from upstate New York are quite defensive over the fact that New York is more than just a city with tall buildings. Yeah. George Clinton is pretty important. So important that one of the statues that represents New York State in Statuary Hall in the Capitol is... George Clinton. Playing the bass guitar. No. Okay. He's like holding a cane because that's what everybody did. (laughs) And it's been there since like 18, I don't know, 1873. Yeah. I didn't look that up. It's been a little while for sure. 
So George Clinton was born in Little Britain, New York, and he was the son of a colonel, Charles Clinton, and Elizabeth Deniston Clinton. And they were Presbyterian immigrants from County Longford, Ireland. And uh, they escaped Ireland in 1729 because the Anglicans, they were imposing all kinds of acts against religious dissenters. And if you've ever been to Ireland, you can just reflect on how bad it is <laughs> to be ruled by England <laughs> at that time. It, it wasn't cool. So George Clinton comes by his political interests that we're going to get into, honestly. His father, I mean, he, you know, he's a farmer. He's a, he's a land speculator, a surveyor by trade. And he's also a member of the New York Colonial Assembly. And that pretty much means that dad was involved in politics. And so, of course, George absorbs some of this through his skin, through his mind, and becomes politically engaged. And uh, he's also the brother of General James Clinton. You may have read about him. He was also the father of DeWitt Clinton, a governor for New York sometime in the future. So uh, George's brother, his dad, his nephew, etc., all politically minded and so, of course, George is going to fall right into that category. Yeah. So during the French and Indian War, George Clinton served on the privateer Defiance, and that was operating in the Caribbean or Caribbean, whichever you prefer. Is it pirates or is it not? I don't know. I never know. Yeah. Maybe pirates. Pirates. Ever since the whole uh, credit mobilier <laughs> thing last week, I've I can't pronounce pronounce anything. Don't even anymore. bother. Yeah, just don't even bother. And then being a parent of a three year old who likes to switch out vowel sounds and being from Kentucky, it, it's just difficult. You got a lot of things working against you for sure. I do. Yeah. So bear with me. So he <laughs> enlisted in the provincial militia. And uh, as we mentioned before, uh, his father held a high rank in, in that very militia. So in 1758, during the French and Indian War, uh, George rises to the rank of lieutenant. And he and his brother were instrumental in capturing a French vessel up in Canada. Yeah, and so crazy enough, he's also, during that war, serving on his father's, uh, with his father's unit in, in the war. And, you know, they're going on and seizing some forts and all that kind of stuff. They work with Bradstreet and uh, disrupt some major communication and supply lines. And, yeah, they're just, the, the family is just tearing stuff up. And so I mentioned his, his father was a uh, surveyor. And so his father actually surveyed the New York frontier, which it's hard to believe now that New York has a frontier, but I've driven all across northern New York, and there's so much empty space. There's probably stuff that still hasn't even been walked on in 100 years. But anyway, all that to say. You know, it's crazy, it's crazy Ben, because growing up, get this, okay, so I had never been to any of the 13 original states, uh -huh. right? Because yeah. I'm out here in the Midwest. I honestly thought, that the reason this is just gonna this just blows my credibility out the water, you know, 
nobody's going to trust anything that I say anymore. <laughs> I thought the reason people lived out here in the Midwest was because the whole entire East Coast was paved over. Oh, yeah. I thought everybody knows that. I thought that like there was, you know, no trees or forests or anything like that. So I was pretty surprised when as a middle schooler, I headed out east <laughs> and found that there were forests and people weren't living on top of each other. Yeah, that'd be a rude awakening, I think. You ha- I felt you had a tough childhood, Jason. <laughs> I, that's that's the thing. <laughs> the only place we'd ever go is our aunt's house in Oklahoma, right? And, uh, and that was even more barren there. So it was because you know Dust Bowl had just happened. Yeah, I'm that old. <laughs> <laughs> so as I mentioned, uh, George's father is a surveyor, and he surveys the New York frontier, which of course. Jason so has has so aptly pointed out to us is completely paved over with pavement and black. I know that now. Yeah, and I think <laughs> his father gets offered a position to be the sheriff of New York City, which is an up and coming city, of course, at the time, and you know the the whole county around it. And his dad's like, you know what? No, I don't want to do that. I got other stuff to do. And the governor's like, well, okay, so. Maybe in a few years, I will make your son the clerk of the Ulster County Court of Common Pleas. And George is like, all right, I guess I'll do that since I don't really have a choice since you appointed me. And he holds that position from 1759 till, well, for about 52 years. So that's a long time to hold a position, but (laughs) he did it. He held it down, man. So after the war, George, he's like, hey, I'm going to read and study law and he does so and he goes back home and begins a legal practice in 1764 he becomes the da the following year in ulster county and he was a member of the provincial assembly for ulster county from 1768 to 1776 and he aligned himself with the anti-british livingston faction and his brother, James, was also a member of the Provincial Convention that assembled in New York City in April of 1775. So a month after the first open armed conflict in Lexington, the Continental Congress, they get together and they're like, uh, we need to fortify the Hudson Highlands for, well, we need to make sure that we maintain and control the Hudson River. And so James... And Christopher Tappan, they were lifetime residents of the area. They went out and scouted the area. So the next year, or actually later that year, the New York Provincial Congress says, hey, George, you're going to be the brigadier general in the militia here. And those highlands that they scouted out just recently, uh, we're going to need you to make sure they are defended. Thanks. We appreciate that. So he <laughs> he builds two forts and actually stretches a large giant chain across the river. And he's like, hey, British people, you can't get across because I made a chain and some forts in your way. <laughs> and so he ends up being commissioned uh, to be the Brigadier General of the Continental Army, which is indeed a large honor. So he gets... Yeah, if you want to be a Brigadier General, just have a chain go across the river. Yeah, I mean, just just across <laughs> just the Hudson see. River. No big deal. 
Yeah. yeah. Uh, Miracle on the Hudson or something like that. So he gets... That's where that came from. Yeah, yeah. He also gets elected that same year, uh, only a couple months after the whole chain across the river thing. He gets elected to be the governor, which is, you know, the governor of New York. That's a pretty high honor. Mm -hmm. And just in case he didn't have enough to do, the lieutenant governor of New York, which I'm not even sure how you are both the governor and lieutenant governor, therefore answering to yourself. But hey, why not? Just let's go ahead and make the, the funk master himself that position. That's like you need to be ambidextrous in some way, you know? I guess, like, yeah. Like, the left hand is the governor, and the right hand is the lieutenant governor. And... <laughs> no, he, he resigned the lieutenant governor's office. Wouldn't that have been which, funny if he I... resigned as the governor and just main, and re- retained the lieutenant governor position with no one above him? That would have been interesting. That would have been awesome. Well, what you need to know is that he was quite popular as governor of New York and he was elected five times and he remained in the continental army and he commanded forces at Fort Clinton and Fort Montgomery. And uh, yeah, until 1783 when the army was disbanded, George Clinton, he was there. And man, he hated Tories. <laughs> Can I tell you about that? Chances are, if you're a patriot, you're not going to like the Tories, right? Sure. Yeah. So he was a good friend of George Washington, and he supplied the troops at Valley Forge with food and other supplies. And he actually rides with Washington to his first inauguration. And he threw he threw our buddy George a... a a nice party at the inauguration. <laughs> oh, well, they don't end their friendship there. Uh, in 1783, they're at Dobbs Ferry, and Clinton and Washington are like, hey, uh, General Carlton, actually his, his name is General Sir Guy Carlton, uh, why don't you just evacuate your troops, you, you, you all you Brits, why don't you just get them out of here now? Um, we don't, we don't like that anymore. (laughs) And so they, uh, they of course, you know, got some things in return, but they get their butts out of there. And then in 1787 and 88, George Clinton's like, you know what? The U S constitution, I'm not a fan. I don't think that that's going to happen. And he actually is, well, everybody thinks at least that he uses the pseudonym Cato and writes a bunch of anti-federalist essays and puts them in a bunch of New York newspapers and everything like that when it's you know during the the constitution being ratified and we don't know for sure that that was him but whoever it was as soon as they introduced the bill of rights all the objections were withdrawn so uh, they're pretty certain it was Clinton but just a caveat that that may not have been him so don't totally ascribe that to him so in 1792 the Jeffersonian Republican Party was like, hey, how would you like to run for vice president? And the Republicans were like, yeah, uh, of course, Washington, he needs to be president again because he's a rock star and you'd be really stupid to vote against Washington. Um, We really need to have Clinton be the VP because, you know, his rotundity, John Adams, he's just, he's too much like a, a, 
I mean, he's a British lover. Let's just face it. <laughs> I mean, he's his rotundity. Right. So Clinton gets nominated because you couldn't have TJ running for president because you can't have two Virginians, right? So you can't have a Virginian be president and a Virginian be vice president. So they put Clinton on the ballot and he gets 50 electoral votes. Adams gets 77. And what really was credited for damaging his run was because he was an anti-federalist and he was losing a little bit of support in New York during his reelection bid as governor. So in 1795, he decides, well, my popularity several years before was waning, so I'm not going to run again. And um, he kind of chills out for a few years. He runs for the New York State Assembly in April of 1800, and he gets elected. And in 1801, he's governor again. And he serves until 1804. So get this, Ben. He was the longest serving governor of a U.S. state until, well, just recently. Uh, Iowa Governor Terry Branstead uh, just surpassed George Clinton as the longest serving governor. What do you think he did for those like five years from when he decides, I'm not going to be governor again until he joins up back with the, the legislature? He's got five years and... You know, the the knowledge that we have is that he just didn't serve in a political office. Did he, like, make shoes or just, like, I think sail he, around the world? Or what did he do? He started Capitol Records. Oh, oh, right. I forgot. Yeah. That's the Funkmeister, remember, <laughs> Ben? I totally do now. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. <laughs> so Clinton is, you know, he, he's been in and out of these races before, and he knows how this thing goes. And in 1804, they're like, hey, Clinton, why don't you be the running mate for Jefferson? That seems like a great idea. Uh, we hate mm-hmm. Aaron Burr because he's a total scoundrel, and we're just going to kick him out of the position. And instead, we're going to bring you in as the officer. So he is elected, of course, as the fourth vice president of the United States. He is there from 1805 to 1809 under Thomas Jefferson. And then from 1809 until he dies in 1812, he's there under James Madison. And he did uh, pass away from a heart attack, which um, you know ended his, his vice presidency. That's one of those that we talked about in the episode full of dead vice presidents back, oh, I don't know, somewhere in like the 80s or 90s or maybe even before. I don't know what episode it was. But anyway. Yeah, uh, Madison, man. <laughs> don't don't be Madison's VP. <laughs> That's all you need to know. I, I think Madison, uh, now I don't want to get it off on the wrong track here, but Madison might have had something to do with it because Clinton's like, hey, Madison, I know you, I'm probably going to be your vice president, but how about instead I'm the president and you're nothing? And instead, you know, Madison <laughs> comes back and, and destroys them and everything. But uh, quite an interesting turn of events. Yeah. So, you know, part of the whole reason why he would be discussed on election colleges because he was elected as the vice president. But in George Clinton's case, he had quite the career leading up to his election. And uh, if you're from New York and you don't know a whole lot about George Clinton, well, you should. I didn't know a whole lot about him, and I'm glad that I have 
been able to learn. If George Clinton was around right now, he'd tell you to get the heck over to Patreon and support these guys that are talking about me for whatever reason they might be talking about me. <laughs> uh, he would tell you all about the website being electioncollege.com slash Patreon. Uh, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. You can follow the link in the show notes. Guys, we really do want you to be part of our community. We want to be able to send out updates to you, share interesting articles. You can be part of our Patreon-only feed. You can also bump up and do $0.34 cents an episode, which is actually like 3 bucks a month. And we'll bring you into our private Facebook group. You'll get one of our eBooks that we wrote before uh, and just be part of the fold. We've got other stuff too, which we have like bonus episodes that we do a couple a month if you support us at a dollar an episode, which is less than three cups of coffee a month. So um, totally, you should get on that over at Patreon. Yeah, aren't we much more appealing than those radio station appeals for money? I mean, come on. We aren't even offering a tote bag. Oh, there's no tote there's bag? There's no tote bag. But, like, who wants a tote bag? How many tote bags can you use? Like, Aldi has them for a dollar, I think. So they can't be that much. Right. So for less than the price of a plastic tote bag or one of those that will melt <laughs> if you put something that's too hot in it, uh, you can support the podcast and get more quality content from a couple of cousins who enjoy talking to one another. Hey, Jason. And to you. Th- there, was a, there was somebody that um, um, a friend of ours or, uh, follows very, very closely their podcasts. And I'm not going to mention who they are because that's just not cool. But they were doing a few episodes a week. And after they launched their fundraising campaign, I don't uh, think it was a Patreon, but it was something similar. They scaled back and said, we're no longer doing two episodes a week. We're doing one episode a week. And in order to get the second episode, you have to support us. Well, guess what, everybody? We're not doing that. You're still going to get your two episodes from us a week. And if you want a, a third every other week, uh, then you know, go ahead and go over to Patreon and hit us up. We promise oh, not to do that to you. Yeah. Yeah, we won't do that to you. We enjoy talking to each other on an ongoing basis too much. <laughs> We're, we want more, so we want to give you more. So that's what we're looking to do with this. So so as always, we are on social media as well, and we love to interact with you there. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Election College. And if you want to do something for free that would really help us out a lot, go over to iTunes and leave us a rating and review. It helps us get the podcast in front of more awesome people just like you. Head over to electioncollege.com slash review. And how long is it going to take, Ben, this week? 47.89 seconds per star. Bunch of the hundreds now. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it won't take you very long. I promise it won't take you very long. Uh, just go over and leave us a star rating and a review. We do appreciate that. It's pretty, it's pretty great. I mean... I, I think people think we're kidding sometimes, Jason, when we say we do a happy dance. If I get an email that alerts me that we have a new review, which we do get, by the way, I'm I'm like so excited to check that email immediately. And then uh, I, I just love seeing how those go. So, yeah, do that. We really appreciate each and every one of you, and we will see you next time. Thanks, everybody.
Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.